Man, I am so excited. I get the opportunity to share God's word with you today. And uh, so glad I had two people cheer for me. That's good, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, you know what? I, I, I take this, take this so uh, as such a privilege, such an honor, just to be a part of our uh, staff team. We have an amazing team. As Pastor Cherie said last weekend, uh, you, this staff team, uh, they love people. They love you. And uh, I'm so glad to be a part of that today and to be able to share uh, God's word. You know, especially in a culture uh, like like in America where we have such a, a heavy push, such a, a heavy drive for individualism. In other words, we have a society that, whether it be through media, whether it be through culture or entertainment or whatever avenues or venues it might be, we have such a strong uh, culture that is telling us that that we're all good by ourselves, that that uh, that we don't need to be connected to other people, that that we can be self-reliant, uh, that we can be independent, and. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a little sad because even in American Christianity, uh, you kind of see that it's, it's, uh, creeped into the culture of the church as well. And, and, uh, there's, there's people that just say, Hey, Jesus and me, that's all we need, right? Only God and me. I don't really need a church to be a part of. I don't really need a church family, uh, to be connected to, but I'm here to tell you today that nothing could be further from the truth. I said nothing could be further from the truth. You know, God designed each and every one of us uh, to be a part of a family, to be a part of a church community where we can do life together for so many reasons. In fact, uh, uh, what we believe around here is that we can make life better. I said we can make life better by doing life together. We can make life better in so many different ways by being connected uh, to each other. You know, I find it so interesting in Hebrews chapter 10 that, you know, uh, the writer of Hebrews dedicates this chapter to explain to us two very important things that Jesus did when he died on the cross. What Jesus did when he died on the cross is the first thing when his blood was shed is, is that Jesus made it possible for, for the power of sin to be broken off of our lives. In other words, the power of sin that entangled us to be broken off of our lives. What do I mean by power? What I mean specifically is that Jesus broke the condemnation. He broke the shame and the guilt off of our lives so that we can live a life of freedom. So that all the things that we should be paying the price for, Jesus already paid the price for that. Oh man, that's good news. I, I hope we can get a little excited about what Jesus has already made available to us. That means for those of you that made that decision today and prayed with Tavo just a little while ago and gave your life to Jesus, do you know in that moment that all condemnation was broken off of your life? I'm about to run up in here. That gets me so excited. I, I mean, God is so good that, that the, the price that you should have paid and that I should have paid for my sin, my wrongdoing, my yesterday, today, and the wrong that I might do tomorrow, God has already taken care of that, that he's already paid the price and broken the power of sin off of our lives. You can say goodbye to guilt, say goodbye to shame. You better tell condemnation to get out of your house because it no longer belongs in your life. So Jesus made that possible. He broke the power of sin off of our lives. The second thing that Hebrews 10 tells us is that he also dealt with the issue that kept a barrier between God and us. That sin issue that, that separated a perfect God from imperfect 
people. And, and Jesus dealt with that. He, uh, he took care of that issue with the blood that he shed. You see, in the Old Testament, they would bring animal sacrifices just so that, that there would be forgiveness for one more year. Uh, but when Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross, he took care of that once and for all. He, he, he fixed the problem between God and us and, and he made it possible for us to connect with God. In fact, the Bible says that he gave us access to God. In other words, the gift that he gave us was the ability to have relationship with God. It's the best thing that we could have been given was the opportunity to have a relationship with the loving God. But you know what I find interesting is that uh, even, even in this chapter, it doesn't end there. I mean, it could have been enough to say, hey, now you can have a relationship with God and Jesus has made that possible. You're all good. Go on your way and be married. But that's not what the writer of Hebrews says. He actually goes on to share with us that there's more to this. There's more to just having a relationship with God, but that God actually wants us to be connected not only to him, but to each other so that we could grow in relationship. This is what I love about Natalie's story that we just watched a little while ago is that when they evaluated the circumstance or the situation of their life, they said, I've got to take a step to get some help. In fact, they took personal responsibility to join a financial small group. Uh, and yes, they grew in knowledge about finances, but more importantly, what they did was grow in relationship. They began to discover that there's other people in this group that are going through things like us, that, that, that they have overcome situations that, that I can also overcome. And through those relationships, they were strengthened and they saw their life get better. In other words, they chose to make their life better by joining that small group, by developing relationships with others. Notice what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says. It says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love this passage. Again, he could have stopped with the relationship with Jesus, but he's actually encouraging us. And he uses this word spur. You know, uh, it's an interesting word that's used in this translation that we should spur one another. Now, I'm definitely not a cowboy. I'm trying to rock the boots today. I don't know what you think about them. But you know what? A cowboy, uh, a, a one that really rides horses, you know, the one really goes riding, right? Uh, he, uh, I'm about to go TikTok on you, right? Do a little video here. No, I'll spare you. I'll spare you right now. I think I'm cool now because I learned about TikTok two days ago. Anyways, if you're 15 and under or a teenager, you know what I'm saying. If not, just just focus. We'll get through this. But anyways, a real cowboy uh, has boots that when he rides, they have a spur, right? It's this, uh, and I hope I describe it right, but it's a, it's a metal wheel that has spikes on it. And uh, he uses those spurs to, uh, to kind of uh, encourage that horse to move forward. Uh, he'll he'll do, do it lovingly. I don't know, I watched some videos and it didn't seem so lovingly, but... But they'll kind of use that heel and just stick it in the side of that horse. And, and all of a sudden, that horse will get up and go, right? You know, isn't it funny that the writer of Hebrews would say that we ought to spur one another? 
In other words, what he's saying is, listen, it's okay to hang out together, but all, all at, at some point you got to have enough relationship with somebody that, that they can stick a spur in you to get you to keep on moving. Because sometimes life throws hardship at us and uh, we might get an attitude where we want to quit and give up, but I'm so grateful that I've got people in my life, hopefully you have people in your life that will take their spur and just stick it in my side and say, hey, Come on, saddle up. We got to go. We got to move forward. God has greater things for us. So the writer here is saying that we need to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It almost makes you wonder, could it be that within our humanity, we possibly have moments in our life where we're not quite as motivated as we could be, but God has designed relationships around us that would be able to help us with that. He goes on to say, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Do it even more as the day approaches. You know, what's interesting is he's saying that, that we ought to meet together, that we ought to come together, that we ought to do it frequently, even more so, uh, because there's, there is a habit, I guess, that can form um, that, you know, some people have just elected or chosen or not made a priority uh, to be in church. And I get it. I'm preaching to the choir. You're all here today. If you're online and you live close by, you should be here today. But some people, some people within the church, even it was happening back then. It's happening today too. We just feel like maybe I don't need to be so connected. Maybe I don't really need to be that consistent or frequently attend church. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, don't, don't go there. Don't go there because you got to be careful. It'll become a habit. You know how it is. And listen, we all need vacation. We all need to get away. By the looks of some, you probably should have been at the lake this weekend. But here's what I do know is that, that if we start to miss and become inconsistent and, and not make church a gathering a priority, before you know it, it becomes a habit, right? One week goes by, two, three, four. I was talking to a couple not too long ago, and they were saying, man, I just can't believe it. We got a little bit loose with our consistency, and three months went by, and I haven't been to church. And I said, man, you got to get back to church. Shame on you. No, I didn't say that. No more shame, no more condemnation. Listen, Paul, the, Paul is assumed that he wrote this, this book, and he's saying we need to encourage one another to gather. You know, what's interesting is the word church actually comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And that word literally means gathering. The church was or is a gathering. In fact, the ultimate goal of Jesus' ministry, as much as it was to heal people, as much as it was to deliver people, his goal was to build a church or to build a gathering. What God is building today is a church and a, a, a people that would come together and continue to do the things that Jesus did and even greater things, the Bible says. I think it's so important to realize that while other religions are known for where they gather, Christianity should be known by how we gather. Let me say that again. While other religions might be, uh, might be known by where they gather, here's what's important for us to know as believers, as people of God, is that we should be known by how we gather. And I'll explain that in just a, a moment. But, you know, the reality is, is that we have to understand today that church is not a building. It's not a place. 
Church is you and church is me. Church is we. You're a tough crowd. I thought you would chuckle at that one. Church is us, right? You and I, we are the church, especially when we gather, especially when we come together. You know, the Bible has so many descriptive ways on how we should gather. There's a long list. This list doesn't exhaust them all, but just for the sake of proving the point today, the Bible says that we should love one another, that we should forgive one another. Hello, somebody. That we should accept one another, that we should care for one uh, another, that we should encourage one another, that we should submit to one another. Ah, I don't know about that one. It made the list somehow. But, but we should bear one another, bear one another. In other words, that we should have an, a tolerance for each other. Because how many know you're going to have a bear in the crowd every once in a while, right? You're going to have someone that's difficult in your group of friends and in your family even. But we should bear one another. If you're looking for perfect relationships, you're never going to find them. Part of relationships is making you better, not trying to make someone else better, right? We should bear one another and we should carry one another's burdens. The yoke gets lighter if we share them together, right? We should help carry one another's burdens through tough situations. We can be there to carry one another's burdens. You know, the Bible shows us that there's two types of gatherings. I think, uh, hopefully you can track me. This is very, very good for us to know. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, the Bible says this, and nothing stopped them. Let that be said of celebration, right? Nothing stopped them. Let that be said of this group of people, of believers, that nothing stopped them. And then it says they kept preaching. Another translation says gathering every day in the temple courts and went from house to house, from crib to crib. They gathered, right? You notice this, that there was a corporate worship gathering. That was the temple courts. You know that the church in Jerusalem on the very first day, that early church, that first church, on the very first day, 3,000 people were added to it. They became a mega church on day one. And then over the next 25 years, there were more than 100,000 people that called Jerusalem their church. And this was in a city of about 200,000 people. No wonder why the Romans and everyone else got nervous and scared and the, the Jews and the, the Pharisees would say, the Sanhedrin would say, man, your doctrine is taking over. Stop teaching Jesus. Well, when more than 50% of your city is Christian, you better believe there's going to be some influence, right? You better believe there's going to be an impact in that city. And it's so wild to think that they gathered in large gatherings at the temple courts. But they also did small group gatherings, which is described as house to house. There were small group gatherings. You know that Jesus also practiced this. It really wasn't anything new that the church did, but rather did what Jesus did. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus also gathered in the temple. In fact, at the age of 12, uh, he was already teaching in the temple. And people were just impressed and and kind of uh, just blown away by the knowledge and the wisdom that he had. So he was a part of those large gatherings, but he also formed a small group. 
He also did life with his 12 disciples and they gathered and he poured his life into those disciples in the form of a small group gathering. In fact, most of his time, it's estimated that 92% of his time, that's not a real number. I made that up. Sorry. But it's, it's estimated that the majority we know through the Bible, that the majority of his time was spent with his disciples, with his followers, that close circle. I'm telling you, listen to me. Jesus loved small groups so much. He did. You, I, I could tell you don't believe me, but I'm going to show it to you. Jesus loved small groups so much that even after he resurrected from the dead, he couldn't stay away. He went looking for his small group. I, I'm serious. John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, it says Jesus looked up the Jerusalem church app. He pulled out his phone and he said, where do I go? He pulls out his Jerusalem church app and he clicks on it. He scrolls, finds the small group tab and he clicks on it and he sees there. He says, check this group out, a men's fishing group. I think I like that. So Jesus clicks on the men's fishing group and it gives him, it gives him the location, Lake Galilee. And he keeps on reading. And then it says, uh, if the time of meeting, uh, is, is the time that they meet is at sunrise. Cause how many know the disciples were fishing early in the morning sunrise. And then it says special notes. Make sure you bring your fishing license. I could just see Jesus going, ha <laughs> No license needed for me. I own the fish in the sea. So the Bible says in John chapter 21 that Jesus shows up uh, to this small group. He ends up on the beach of the lake of Lake Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. He ends up on the beach and he calls out to the disciples, his small group members that were already out on a boat trying to fish. And, and Jesus says, hey, boys, bring some of that fish over here. Let's barbecue. Let's grill. And Jesus is, you know, preparing the fire and the grill and he's getting ready. And, and, uh, here's the problem though, is that the disciples, they look out from their boat and they, there's a problem. They look confused because they can't figure out who it is, who's calling out to them or who's inviting them to breakfast. He does. They just can't figure it out. I know what the problem is. You know, Peter was the small group leader and I think Peter forgot to look at his notifications and didn't realize that there was some new small group member that joined. Heads up for small group leaders that are in this place. Everybody look around, whoever has a shirt, right? For all you small group leaders, make sure you're checking your notifications. After today, we're believing you're going to have all kinds of small group signups, right? Here's what we're saying, though, is that Jesus believes so much in this small group. He calls out and says, hey, let's have breakfast. So the disciples yell back and say, hey, we've been fishing for a while. We can't catch anything. So Jesus says, hey, one more time, why don't you cast that net over? They do what he says. And sure enough, they catch a boatload, bigger than a boatload. They couldn't get the net in the boat. It was so full of fish. So they drag the fish in while they're still in the net in the water. Bible says that Peter was the athletic one. So he dove in and swam to shore. It says that I'm promised. And so they get to the shore, they start counting all their fish and, and they, they end up with 153 fish, large fish, the Bible says. So Jesus says, how you like me now? You better believe it's good that I joined your group, right? 
So he says, bring those fish over here. We're about to have grilled salmon and fresh bread for breakfast. Man, sign me up for that small group today. Here's what I want you to know is that Jesus loved small groups. He really believed in this opportunity to connect at a close level with people. You know, here at Celebration, we gather corporately because we believe this is a space for us to get to know God even more. But we absolutely are equally passionate about small groups because we believe, and this is Bible, that growth really happens in the context of relationship. The things that you learn about God, forgiveness, the only way to apply it is in the midst of a relationship. The only way you really know if you're patient is when you have kids, right? The only way you can really bear one another is when you're around someone that isn't so bearable, right? It's in the context of relationship that we experience growth in our lives. So I want to take a little bit of time to talk about relationships or small groups. If you would allow me to today, um, I guess I have the mic, so I'm going to do it anyways, right? So but you know what? This past week, we had such a fun time with our staff team. Uh, we, we typically gather together on Tuesdays, and uh, we, we gathered together, and, and we just began to talk about this conversation about small groups. And uh, we asked ourselves the question, hey, how important or why is it that small groups or relationships are important for our lives? And uh, I was excited to gather all the answers. They wrote them on flashcards and kind of gathered the answers. We began to talk about it, just really enjoyed ourselves. And, and I'm, I'm so excited to know that, man, your staff team, the, the leadership of this church, we are absolutely passionate about small groups. So we, we're, we're smoking what we're, what we're delivering today, okay? In fact, all of our staff team either leads a group or is involved in a group. Some of them are leading, I don't know, Coco's, Pastor Karina, I call her Coco, sorry. Pastor Karina's leading like three groups, I think. I mean, she's like small groups queen, right? And uh, it, we're, just, we're just so passionate about this because we believe we can grow through relationship. And through some of that feedback, um, these are some of the answers that came in. I was able to actually categorize them into three groups. And I believe that uh, there's a purpose in all this. There's Bible in all this. And, and uh, I want to share those things with you. The first thing that we discovered as a team is that small groups provide. Small groups provide. What do we mean by that? You know, small groups provide connection. I don't know if you realize this yet, but God has designed you to be connected to something, to be connected to something that's bigger than just you. You are called to be a part of God's family and God's community. And you know what's awesome is that connection is what keeps us from isolation. Being connected to each other is what keeps us from being isolated, especially in those times where we don't need to be, where we have crazy thoughts and we get isolated. In fact, you know, really, uh, connection is what keeps us from being lonely as well. can save us from emotional distress because we're surrounded by people that love us. And just to be really vulnerable and truthful, you know that small groups and relationships help us from, from becoming just a little weird? <laughs> Y'all just look straight. Don't look at nobody, right? Say, that, that person needs a relationship, right? It's so true, though, that, you know, if we live life alone or if we spend too much time alone, we start to get a little weird, right? In fact, relationships keep us from our dysfunction. I I'm serious. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. It says this, 
uh, chapter 12, but God has carefully, not randomly, but carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. Thank God for diversity. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, I'm so glad you're not like me. Come on, tell him somebody. Tell him, tell him. Diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. You are the body of the anointed one. And each of you is a unique and vital part of it. Each one of us is unique for a reason. And we're a vital part of God's body. Now, listen, I know what you're thinking because I've had these thoughts too. You might be saying today, but what if I can't trust because I've been hurt or I've been rejected? I know that's a reality. And I don't know that there's a way to make you necessarily feel better about those situations that you've gone through. But I do want to say this to encourage you. Would you not let the regret of broken relationships behind you blind you to the new relationships that God has in front of you? I want to say that again. We've got to be so careful that we don't allow the hurt behind us, the broken relationships that are behind us, uh, hinder us or blind us from the new relationships that God has right in front of us. And I don't just mean new people. I mean people that God already has in your life that God wants you to take that relationship to a new level, a new level of accountability, a new level of strength, a new level of support. But there could also be new people that God has. I mean, look around the room, right? We don't know everybody in here. But could there be somebody in this room? Could there be a group that you could sign up for today that's going to position you to be able to grow in relationship, to be able to see that God wants to provide a place for you to connect? Maybe you're thinking, but I don't know anyone, and it's awkward to meet someone new. Listen, I won't argue with you on that one. It is, right? Awkward sometimes to meet somebody new, to go out of your way to say hello. But here's what I do want to say. That awkward feeling, it's temporary. It really is. Don't let the enemy lie to you and make you think that, man, that feeling will never go away. It's really temporary. What do you have to lose? I mean, if you focus on what you have to gain, isn't that what Natalie said in her video? I focused on what I had to gain. And she said, what could we gain from relationships and small groups in our life? Listen, the reality is that awkward feeling, you're not alone. That same person that you're talking to, they're feeling a little bit weird too. Yes, they're feeling awkward with you. But if you take that step and get beyond, I mean, what could you lose? A little bit of pride? You probably could do a little less with that anyways, right? So it's temporary. Take that step and meet somebody new. I'm so excited because even today, our small group leaders are out, going to be out in the lobby after service to purposely connect with you, to get to know you so that you can get to know them and maybe hopefully minimize that awkwardness in our life. But here's something else that um, small groups provide for us, and that's wisdom. How many can say yes to that? Wisdom. How many know that when you're going through hardship, you need fresh perspective from people that have already overcome those challenges, right? You need wisdom from people that have already gone through what you've gone through and gone beyond that. That's why people, God wants to surround you with people through a small group so that you can gain wisdom and apply God's word to your circumstances. 
Another thing that small groups provide or relationships can provide is healing, healing, healing. In fact, James chapter five tells us that if we confess our sins one to another, our faults one to another, and if we pray for each other, then we can experience healing in our lives. I just wonder how many of us have been praying alone. God, heal me. God, heal me. And all along, God's trying to surround you with relationships that are going to help you get to that place. That are going to help you get healing in your life. That are going to help you get beyond that rejection. Get beyond that brokenness through that relationship that God has for you to receive healing in your life. And there's so many things that I could say that, that small groups provide. But one more thing is that small groups provide some fun. That's right, F-U-N, fun. Small groups provide fun. Some of us need to learn how to take life a little less seriously. Come on, somebody, just nudge your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you, right? We need to learn how to just take life a little less seriously and have some fun. You know, we need to learn how to enjoy life a little more, how to laugh more. Listen, I've got a four-year-old that, man, he gets on my nerves every day. And I've had other parents around me, uh, you know, within our small groups that say, just chill, he'll get through it. Like, really, though, does he have to do that? Did the fettuccine have to end up on this cheek right here? Really, the pasta flying across the dinner table at a restaurant. That's why I'm never taking that dude to eat again. But it's being around other people that can say, listen, I've had worse happen to me, right? Or you see that family at the mall, right? And their kid's out of control and it's like, God, thank you. It's not that bad, right? Why? Because we get around other people and we have fun in the midst of situations that we need to take less seriously in our lives. Number two, small groups produce. Somebody say produce. Small groups produce. There's a familiar scripture in Proverbs 27 that says, as iron sharpens iron, right? As iron sharpens iron, so do we sharpen each other. You know, it's amazing what, what uh, God has intended for our lives. You know, for so many of us, God has so much potential that he's placed on the inside. There's giftings, there's talents, there's purpose on the inside of you. But God has surrounded you with relationships to bring that out. I got to be honest with you. You know, for me to stand on this stage in front of a, a crowd this size twice in a, in a Sunday, that, that's out of, that was way out of my comfort zone before. But I'm so grateful that in a place like this or in a group uh, where I've had my staff team or my leadership say, you can do this. You've been gifted for this. You've been called to do this. You know, it's in that small group that I've seen my capacity grow. And you know what? Just like a team that gets a brand new player, you know, fresh out of high school and into a college team, that coach and that team, they got to work together. Why? To bring the potential out of that athlete, to bring the potential. Why do we got to parent our kids to bring the potential and the giftings out of them, right? So that they can, they can do the best that God's called them to do. God wants to increase our capacity or produce greater capacity in our lives. You know, I've seen, I've seen doors open through small groups. I mean, there are there. I've, I, here at Celebration, we've had people that have opened businesses because they've been inspired by their small group to do it. I'm telling you, small groups will produce great things uh, in our lives. You know, one other thing that small groups produce in our lives is freedom. They will produce freedom. I love this story, the story of Lazarus. 
where Jesus calls out Lazarus from his grave. And the story, uh, the backdrop is that, you know, Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, they're sad, they're depressed, and they're like, Jesus, if you would have been here, he would have never died. Jesus shows up four days later after he died, and Jesus, you know, he gets emotional as well, but then he gets a little bit honorary and says, have I not told you that if you believe in me, you will see this, the, these miracles happen? And so Jesus, he does something just absolutely amazing. He calls out to Lazarus, and he calls him out of his grave. Verse uh 44 in John chapter 11 says this, then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and his feet and also covering his face. Jesus said to them, them that were around there, he said, unwrap him and let him loose. Here's what I want you to see today. Jesus could have done the miracle all by himself. He could have raised them from the dead and took the grave clothes off, put a new, uh, put a brand new suit on the brother and sent him on his way. But he didn't do that. He told them, that small group that was there that day, as he performed the miracle, he said, now you guys take off the grave clothes and loosen this man so that he could live his life again. I'm here to stir you up today. What if God wants to use a relationship, a small group in your life, not just to see you come back to life by the power of Jesus, but use that, those relationships to bring freedom to your life. Some of you might feel like you're stuck in a rut and I'm addicted to this or addicted to that and I don't know how to change. Listen, God wants to deliver you first and foremost, but he also wants to surround you with people, a group, a small group that'll help you live out your life towards victory and freedom. Small groups produce freedom in our lives. The last thing I want to share with you, we're almost there. Number three, small groups protect Small groups protect. Ecclesiastics chapter four says this. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. See, small groups are like family. That's a good place to clap your hands. Go for it. See, small groups are meant to be like family. They're meant to be a group of people that through vulnerability, they come together. And as they begin to open up and share their life experiences and their learning, whether it be by doing something fun together or a book or curriculum or studying, whatever it might be, as small groups come together Here's what you need to know is that God is wanting to protect your life. God is wanting to surround you with protection through the relationships that God has prepared for you. Protection. Protection. You know, this is very dear to my heart because I know that my life was protected through a small group. In July 20, on July 29th of 1993, my, my life was marked forever. I, I know, I don't look that old, but almost 27 years ago, I was invited to a party. We had just graduated from high school, and uh, we were, it was 
it was the summer between our senior year and going into school at Fresno State. And, and on July 29th of 1993, my life was marked forever. About a week prior to that, I'd been invited by a good friend of mine. He was a really close friend since elementary school. His name was Joshua Falk. And he had invited me to go to this, this party with our friends. And man, at first I thought, yeah, why not? Man, we graduated, it's summer, let's go have some fun before we gotta get serious about life again. And so I was invited to this party, but at the same time, a week prior to that on Sunday, actually, or a little less than a week on Sunday, another good friend of mine, and he, this friend was from my youth small group or my student small group at church, and his name was Ephraim. And in fact, Ephraim was here in the nine o'clock service this morning and uh, invited him to come out because I wanted to share this story today. And, and we connected on that. And, and so as he invited me, as I was invited to this party, I began to, to think all week, you know, am I going to go to this party or, or we've got youth, we've got youth small group that same night. Where, where am I going to go? And so I'll never forget the text that I got, or uh, not text, we were texting back then, sorry. The call, the call that I got, I think I had a pager back then. It was the call. This is way back, sorry. I'm, I'm totally ruining the moment, right? Sorry. But I remember this call that I got from Ephraim, and, and he had told me, he said, you know, I want to make sure you're coming to youth group on Friday night. And unfortunately, I got to say that at that party that Friday night, my friend Joshua and another guy, they left. That party was about 1230 at night. And uh, they left that party and they drove down Shepherd. And if you've ever been by there between Sunnyside and Fowler, there's this really sharp snake turn. And they were driving about 90 miles an hour through there. And my friend Joshua was intoxicated. And unfortunately, he lost control of the truck. He was ejected about 100 and 150 yards outside of the front windshield. And when they over, had overcompensated, he was rejected. The, uh, ejected. The truck tumbled and landed right on top of him. And unfortunately, he died instantly. And the guy that was with him in the passenger seat, he was paralyzed from the neck down. And the crazy part is to think that I could have been in that truck. But I'm so grateful that God had placed me in a student small group. I'm here to tell you, parents, and it is so worth it to bring your kids to small group. Bring your kids to youth night. You just never know the protection that God is putting around them. In spite of the inconvenience and everything else, but God is trying to surround you with protection. So that night, unfortunately, I lost a really good friend of mine, but God also used another good friend, a small group, to save my life. And I'm so grateful for that being a part of that small group. I just wonder today, could there be a relationship? Could there be a small group that you're supposed to be a part of? Listen to me. Listen to my heart. We're not trying to drive a program. That is absolutely not what this is. We have dedicated this weekend and the weekends to come.
because we are absolutely passionate and we believe that small groups will provide for you, that small groups will protect you, that small groups will produce in your life. We are passionate about this. We're all involved in one on staff and leadership because we believe that could it be that this fall you could make your life so much better, that your life could be so much better by being a part of a small group. Listen, I know that it takes time. It takes all kinds of effort. But time is something we all have. And it's 24 hours a day. It's really a matter of what we place our priority on. And I'm so glad that I'm here today because of a small group. Would you close your eyes right there where you're at? Father, in this moment, we're so thankful because you designed us to be a part of a church community, a church family. Father, and within that church family, you've also designed for us to not only gather corporately, but to be a part of smaller gatherings we call small groups. God, I thank you, Lord, that through these groups, God, we pray that this fall, God, we will see relationships, relationships come together like never before. God, we believe that you're going to provide for us, that you're going to produce in us, that you're going to protect us through our groups. God, I thank you that we get to pray for each other in our groups, that we get to lift each other up and encourage each other. Father, today, I just pray, God, for those that are struggling today to make that step or to make that decision, I pray for each and every one of you. And I say, God, would you remove the barriers? Would you remove the skepticism? Would you remove the doubts and allow us to take a step towards a relationship, not just with you, but with each other through small groups at celebration. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Would you clap your hands this morning? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 